Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. And welcome to episode 131 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the second episode of January 2015, and we're going to be talking about Ultraman The Next, the 2004 film from Subaraya Productions. Joining me here in the studio, and back, like, well, we said like almost two years at it's least. It's been a little while. Pacific uh, Rim Dave was the last time I remember. Helfrey. Oh, that's right. But we did Pacific Rim at Jeff's house, at Jeff's too. House, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, but Dave Helfrey is back. Welcome. Hey, the prodigal Mina son returns. <laughs> 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 I thought of that. I thought of that joke on the way over here. I'm very proud of it. I remember. <laughs> I hung on to it. <laughs> I did. Okay. Pitbull. It it met the requirements. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, we also have Martin Vavra. Yo. Brian and Rachel Cook are also here. Hello there. Hi. And we are going to get started on this movie in just a few minutes. We do, of course, have some requests. And we're going to kick things off with the main titles from Gorath by Khan Ishii. And that is a request for Danny.
second song there was Never Goodbye by TMG from Ultraman the Next for Adam. And that brings us, of course, to our Daikaiju discussions. Once again, class, it is time for the discussion. Every month, the Kaiju cast... Oh, no, I did this again. <laughs> Every month, the Kaiju cast takes one film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and refuse and reviews for the following discussion episode thanks to an online tool i've randomly assigned one movie to each month ensuring that this podcast will keep going uh at least until probably 2016 (laughs) 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 this month we are talking about ultraman the next which actually was released in japan just as ultraman 
much like Godzilla 1985 was released as Godzilla, but everybody calls it Godzilla Returns. This one is called Ultraman the Next, and it was uh, the same year as Godzilla Final Wars, which was interesting from for several different standpoints. Uh, for me, it's interesting because I had never really seen a modern Ultraman that wowed me, and the very first time I saw Ultraman was uh, when August Ragoni showed me maybe in the year 2000, might have been 99, he showed me the episode from the first series with Dada, which is a classic. Awesome. Uh, And I don't know why it took me so long to get around, but he also showed me photos of him on set for the Tiga Dina Gaia film. And I was really impressed with that. So I sought those movies out when they came out on DVD as well. But that was it until Ultraman the Next came out. Uh, Ultraman the Next it was essentially Tsuburaya's attempt to reboot the Ultraman series as a serious, I don't know how to say this really, but just like Daiei did with Gamera for Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, that's what they did here with Ultraman. Now, we, let's see, who here, who here has not seen this for sure? Brian, you have not. Yeah, no, I've never Martin, you have not. For sure. For sure. Not. And Rachel has not. And Dave is I unsure. Might have, because I've seen <laughs> so much Ultraman. I cannot keep it straight in my head. Okay. So we are going to go check this film out, and we'll be right back with our thoughts. Ultraman. So we just got back, just got back. We just left the Did we go somewhere? The chairs and the couches <laughs> and uh, came back to the recording area and now we're going to talk about Ultraman the Next. So Dave, you had not seen this one before then, right? I I was like it, I thought I had and then like we're watching the first couple of minutes and I thought I hadn't and then the monster appeared and I was like Oh, yeah, I have seen this. Oh, you have seen it. Okay. Yes. And forgot most of it because I didn't like it that much. All right. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so, yeah, so we'll initial thoughts would be not well, a, not a fan. Not a, not a super fan. It's like, right. to me, this is the Joel Schumacher Batman of <laughs> Ultraman <laughs> movies. It's just, I think just try, I think just try it. I think it's got, I think it's got some problems. I see where they kind of, came from it and haven't seen you know i'm familiar with the episode of the original uh series where ultraman fights bemler Mm -hmm. and and that this is extremely loosely based on yeah and you know it's like my my problem with reboots and stuff like that is that i get really weird and canonical about you know uh how how stuff gets rebooted and gets reinvented along along the way. Right. And my theory on that, whether it's Ultraman or a comic book movie or like whatever, is that this this is this character is popular for a reason. It's popular for the for the continuity that was based on it. When you mess with that continuity, I personally start to get ticked off. I'm like, this is not what I signed up for, you know, kind of thing. So um uh, you know, so 
Yeah, it's, you know, I kind of got it. And, you know, at first where you kind of got the little werewolf lizard man walking around, I'm like, hey, what is this guy? <laughs> and then when it, then, then when it transforms the first time, it's like, okay, I see Bemler now. I see that, ma- that kaiju in the design. It's like, now I'm getting kind of down with it. Um, but then like when Ultraman first appeared and he's got this weird kind of, I think that, you know, again, it's, it's, I just see, Joel Schumacher Batman nipples all over it. It's just, it's just, there's just, I think, I think that there was, you know, too much of a, of an effort to bring the character design into, excuse me, into, um, the sort of video game era. And, uh, you know, like, and then later when he, like, when he transforms again and he's, he's a little bit shinier, I'm like, okay, we're getting a little bit closer. But then he's got that weird ultra mullet off the back of his helmet. <laughs> and it's like, one of the things that I, that I always liked about the production design of the original series was the contrast between the sleekness of Ultraman and the rough, scaly evil of the kaiju. Mm-hmm. And that started to get blurred a little bit with all of these weird organic shapes that they built into Ultraman's wetsuit, for, ba- right, for lack of a right. better term. And, you know, so I think that, I mean, I understand why they did everything they did, and I get it from sort of a, you know, the historical context of the, pu- the production design of it, but I didn't like it. Yeah. You know. So, uh, as you mentioned, this is absolutely like a, uh, an homage, I guess you could say, or, you know, just the reboot of yeah, that it's a original reboot. Yeah. episode. And, uh, I, because I didn't know anything about this film, I have very little in the way of ultra research here in this room. So I contacted Brad Warner, who used to work at Subaraya Productions from like 96 to 2006, something along those lines. And I was just kind of picking his brain about what was Subaraya like at that time? What were the choices that went into trying to turn Ultraman into a rebooted series? And, you know, it, really the, the bottom line was that, uh, Ultraman, for decades had been just for kids and yeah. Subaraya was uh interested in trying to Subaraya the company not the man obviously we're talking years yeah, and years right. after he died um but the company was interested in trying to make something a little more adult oriented and for everybody not just for little kids and apparently uh with you know obviously making this film with that in mind they did what we watched and then released it to the public and it just didn't do so well. Yeah. I think they were trying to please, I think they were trying to please too many people. And, you know, it's like every, every possible cliche that they could jam into it. (laughs) It's just like, Oh, wait, let me guess the, uh, the retire, the, the pilot who's about to retire so that he can spend time with his sick kid. He's the one that something's going to happen to. Oh, look, I was right. Yeah. What are the odds? Yeah. Pretty much one to one when you, when you're dealing with something that, you know, like this is just like, oh, dude, come on. You know, there's a reason that all the other Ultraman were single. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they got to go yeah. out and fight monsters, you know. What's well, the like, whole like superhero yeah. thing, you know, you can't right. a superhero can't really have people that they care about cuz that then puts them in danger that or messes everything or, up. Or or if they were to die, they would, you know, being heroic and their their people, their family would maybe never know about it kind of thing. Um 
I honestly, like for me, I actually really enjoy the film because it does hit those tropes and I enjoy some of that stuff. I think there's like a, um, like when we watched Gamera, Gamera Guardian of the Universe recently, that was one of the things that I was like, uh, that movie particularly, I sang its praises because it oh, seemed yeah. like somebody had paid attention to all the good tropes that that worked and they yeah. put it all into that movie and is you know created the masterpiece of that film yeah. this film uh obviously created five years after gamma guardian of the universe uh that is not good math at all this almost 10 years <laughs> sorry <laughs> i'm not gonna edit that out i am uh i don't no. do math Seriously, this, is a it dec- is. Yeah. this is a decade younger than gamma uh yeah oh that yeah. is Inexcusable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is. It should it, be better then. I'm. Yeah. I'm very yeah, interested like, in in the prior films as well, just from the standpoint of just wanting to see what the movies themselves were like. And it looks like the movies prior to this were the Cosmos, Ultraman Cosmos series. Which I like not, the is, Cosmos. I've never seen this. Yeah. No. Is, it, is that is that the one um, with the cute little a, white dog? Yes. There's a there's a You're ball right. there's a Baltan movie. <laughs> Huh. Which is oh, which? Yes. Which which Ultraman? Which Ultraman was in the? Which one was the Baltan movie? If I'm remembering correctly, I believe that there is kind of like reimagined Baltan in the Cosmos movies. Okay, but. all right. You see, and like that movie, I think was better, except for the little like snarf kid Baltan that appears in the movie. Then <laughs> it was just like, oh god, come on, yeah. guys, what are you doing here? But um, that uh, <laughs> snarf, yeah, it was bad. It was, bad. but um, yeah, those movies were better. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd agree. All right. Well, uh, let's actually find out what some of our other first uh, impressions were. Martin, this is not only your first time seeing this film. First, first Ultraman, Ultraman ever. Anything. Yep. All right. So I, I'm so sad about that. But let's <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this is good. Not, no, uh, but no, it's very the, interesting. Yeah. The bar's only going to go higher. Yeah. yeah. My, my problem was all my preconceived notions. So right. Martin yeah, had none of those. That's no. true. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's true. There was no bar. No. So, yeah. There was no bar. So, so after, you know, when the credits rolled, what, what were you thinking? Uh, you know, I, it was okay. It was all right. Uh, there was, uh, I think, the strongest point of this monster movie are the uh, the times where there's no monsters and it's just the people trying to like carry the story, which is usually not good for a monster movie. No, <laughs> I'd say I'd say a lot of times that is the, that's a failing point in uh, it, especially the more recent films. For it sure. usually is, yeah. yeah. And you know, they I don't I don't feel like they overcomplicated anything with trying to pack in a bunch of things. I don't necessarily have a problem with. Uh, the tropes that they used. I just don't think that they had an understanding of how to use them in a new and enjoyable way. They just Absolutely. were using them. And, yes. I, you know, and one of the great things that I love to say is, you know, Cabin in the Woods is a really good example of people who <gasps> understand why those things are what they are and then right. manipulate them and have fun with them. And they're not trying to hide them or cover <laughs> them up with other things. Right. And this is a movie that has all of those things and is maybe trying to cover it up with other stuff. And really, they don't understand why those points can be fun or interesting or anything else. They just hit the beats. Um, right. So it's a, it's a movie that hits the beats. And, and honestly, when it gets to the monster stuff, I was kind of like, eh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. And we yeah. can talk about those and what we liked and don't like. Sure. Sure. Yeah. On that, yeah. But okay. Good to know. Rachel, 
I, you know, actually watching this film, I think I've seen it before. Do you, oh, wow. did you recognize it, Brian? I don't know, because Brian mm-hmm. and I, of course, mostly watch movies together, but, um, but it seemed really familiar to me. I don't know if I just watched clips of it at some point, but the monsters, especially the transformation was very recognizable. The only part that I didn't r- remember and I would have definitely remembered this is I'm a huge fan of rats. I grew up having rats as pets and I just right. adore rats. So when he transformed with the rats and the rats popped out of the shoulders, like the <laughs> rat gargoyle thing going on, it was oh, so fantastic. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't remember that. But the initial couple of transformations, I completely recognize those. So I've seen part yeah. of this movie. Have, at you, least. have but, you seen, have you seen the Guyver movies? Um, I have. Um, I've I seen don't the think I have. Oh, you haven't? Okay. No. Because I think that I think that there's a lot that's it's really very similar. Similar, especially during those first two fights between Ultraman and the one I keep yeah. wanting to call him Bemler, but um, yeah, yeah. I uh, wish they'd call the, him Bemler. It's a cooler but, name. Less cute yeah. version. But yeah. um, <laughs> where where they're in, right. like the first one where they're in that whatever room and the second one were in the sewer where mm-hmm. there's no sense of scale. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you, so there's nothing really to, to suggest that they're giant. Mm-hmm. It remind they, um, and especially the, the new, it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it reminds me a lot of the Giver. There's a few listeners in okay. their homework and mentioned the Giver. Movies. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So you're not alone in that. Well, and I was yeah. thinking that too during the, a lot of the fights. Like I was like, oh wow, Giver. Like that immediately right. came to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I think. Yeah. Right on. Right on. Uh, I wanted also a to say, movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as far as like you talked oh, about the good. transformation <laughs> scenes where the yeah. where the, <laughs> no. the one kept uh, getting new powers. That totally reminded me of the Griffin from the unmade oh, yes. Godzilla film the in America. Rocio. Hmm. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, guys, like, yeah. it is almost exactly what they were talking about mm-hmm. doing in that film, where, like, this, is it an alien creature or an ancient creature? It's, Something I think pulls it's alien, powers yeah. from other animals. And uh, I think bats are involved. Oh, really? So much you know, so. There's even like giant, There's you can find artwork online actually of some of the giant bats that were kind of forming with Griffin, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. It would have been interesting. Yeah, so I was, I mean, it was cool to see it on the screen, even though I, I think even back then when I saw it in 2004, I, I recognized that particular quality from the film and said, oh, you know, that reminds me of the, uh, the Griffin treatment for the Godzilla film. Yeah. Uh, so Brian, oh no, uh, you have not seen this, right? No, I okay. Not so this it. is your first. Um, I was let down, kind of like what everyone's saying here. I was, I was let down by it, uh, but it had, it had decent ideas. I like the idea of rebooting Ultraman. This is definitely not the way to do it, but um, yeah, it was just, uh, just kind of. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Dave. Where if you're going to take the Bimler story kind of honor it, you know, and they, right. they don't really establish that. And if you want to make a character become a Bimler, like, and like take an actor, and right. make him become Bimler, they really didn't spend the time they needed to do that to make anybody care about that. So yeah. And, and you're right, Martin, it is kind of more uh, about the characters, which is, you know, it, that was actually kind of strong, but not spending the time on the bad guy character. I thought that was kind of a shame. You could have done more with the film. If you would have done that, but, you know. Yeah, I would say, you know, for it being, 
an homage or a remake of that very first episode turned into a full length movie. It, It didn't, it didn't keep some of my favorite aspects of that particular episode. Right. For sure. Uh, and you know, I honestly think one of my favorite parts of that very first episode of Ultraman is the fact that Ultraman, uh, when Hayata's ship crashes into Ultraman's meteor ship, Mm -hmm. they actually, uh, Ultraman talks to Hayata, you know? So like he has that sense of like, Oh man, immediately knows. Sorry, I killed you. He apologizes. I know this sucks for you. Yeah. Whereas this, this is like, I'm going to fly directly into that meteor for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) But, but that being said, I mean, I, I enjoy the film. I enjoy a lot more of these films than I, than I don't enjoy, you know? So it's no, no big surprise to me that, uh, even watching it again, I think this is maybe the fourth time I've seen the, the film. Uh, it's been a while, but, uh, it definitely does not look any better. And we'll talk about, mm-hmm. you know, the negatives in, in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, for me, this movie actually, um, it's, uh, it reminds me, it's more like nostalgic because this was a really awesome time where I, uh, in 2004, that's when, you know, all the buzz about Godzilla final wars was coming out pre the movie, you know, actually being what it was. Uh, and, and it was the time where I was putting that film festival together. So all of this excitement was going on. It was really a, a kind of a, like, like today, uh, today is in like the general area of time mm-hmm. that we're in. It was a great time to be a kaiju fan in 2004. You had uh, this massively successful Gamera series that brought in like uh, the the decade of 2000, and then Godzilla got relaunched. And, uh, and you know, despite how those movies might not hold up as well, it was still exciting to see new Godzilla movies coming out, and then. Uh, then there was uh, all this buzz about the, the Ultraman, uh, the next Ultraman project, which was Ultraman the next. And it was really, uh, I mean, it was fun to see back then. I think even watching it in terms of, uh, a movie from Japan around, you know, the 2004, 2005 area, it's still, it's not bad. It definitely shows that Japan didn't have (laughs) a lot of, uh, they needed a little work on their CGI. They needed a little work on some of their, uh, I would say, even editing, maybe. Although this one was pretty tight. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I would, I definitely enjoy this film. But there are things that I don't like, for sure. Uh, so we can talk about those things right now. Who who has one they want to start with for a negative aspect of this film? What would you change if there was just one thing that you could change in this film? I got one. Go for it, man. <laughs> Go for it, Brian. Way too much lighting on the monster costumes. Yes. Wow. That's true. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. That that, uh, that definitely highlighted a lot of the, the problems I had with the monster design. <laughs> and and that's not to say that I hated it, but they you know, they pointed a spotlight at it basically and it looked it very much had like that Guybury kind of low budget yeah. feel. So. It looked like a rubber monster. It, oh, there's no question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was actually more so on the Ultraman suit, especially the Ooh, first yeah. confrontation yeah. looked like an overly large rubber suit oh, like placed vest. over a person. Yeah. That, an yeah. awkwardly fitting one, too. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. 
All right. What about you, Rachel? Um, I thought it was really bizarre how you would hear the thoughts of the monster kind of <laughs> talking to the guy. Like, yeah. That was just, I didn't like it. I don't think, I don't think, I think just like in um, Godzilla's Revenge, you should not have monsters talk. <laughs> now, this was not to the extent of Godzilla's Revenge whatsoever. Right. No. It wasn't like, hey, you're in my way. I'm going to yeah. kill you. Yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, and then that was a weird, like, repetitive thing was, you're in my way. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. really? Like, that's what we're going with? Like, <laughs> that's. Part of me wonders if that that's the translation. Maybe it, maybe yeah. it's uh, uh, I guess, yeah, more it impactful be, yeah. in Japanese. I just maybe. don't know. Yeah, but I, it was kind of, I don't know. I didn't like it. I wouldn't have minded that if, uh, again, n- have her never seen any. So when you guys talk about this being a relaunch or a remake or uh, of a prior show, a prior movie, whatever, mm-hmm. I wanted to know why. Because that's the thing they don't ever talk about or explore. They can, I don't mind that they have some kind of a communication back and forth with each other. Clearly, this is some sort of two enemies that are facing off across time and space, whatever. And yeah, but at, at least tell me what any of that stuff is, why you're here, why you're inhabiting these bodies, why you're doing any of this stuff. Just randomly <laughs> tossing those in there, we're like, eh, like you, like you were well, saying earlier, Dave, hey, there's a trope. Well, and, yeah. I mean, but, and and actually, I've, I've, I think it's kind of ironic that now I'm going to jump in and defend because, um, at least in the Ultraman series, that the the sort of telepathic voiceover is precedented as opposed to in Godzilla's Revenge, where you're like, wait, what's happening yeah. here? Yeah. You know, so I mean, so there, and and to what Kyle was saying, it's precedented from the very first episode of the very first, um. Ultraman, right? Where you know where there is this sort of um, where sometimes this this does happen. So that didn't bug me. That didn't bug me so much. Um, but does the do I can't recall? Do the monsters have it though? I every, thought I remembered Ultraman every having it once but in a while. It's not. It's I, it's not a. At least it, yeah, it, it wasn't, wasn't a something that stands thing. out. Yeah, yeah it wasn't it, a standard yeah. thing yeah. where in every episode the monsters are like, "Hey, I'm gonna kill you now." Right. Like, no, Ultraman's <laughs> like, "No, I'm gonna kill you first. Zap. And then you it know, was mostly it's like over. the humanoid aliens. Those were the ones right. that said like, "Oh, silly science patrol. Yeah. Oh, yes, we are yeah. gonna yeah. take over the world." There's a lot. Yes, true. Yeah. Zero, your sage, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and that's and you know, kind of um, one of the one of the things that I was thinking about is that if I was gonna re if, if I was gonna reboot Ultraman, mm-hmm. honestly, and you know, and they and the, you know they they changed Bemler as much as they did, I would have gone with Baltan. I, I would have gone. I would have gone yeah. straight for the Joker. I would have gone. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. kind of. That's a good. Good you know, comparison, man. I mean, yeah. well, you know, th- then that's kind of, that is kind of it. It's like, you know, the, Baltan was Ultraman's, you know, the, the one who kept coming back. Just like the, you know, kind of like Tim Burton tried to make the guy who shot Joe Chill, the guy who shot Batman's parents in the alley, they tried to make him the Joker. And, um, you just, just in order to take all this history and jam it into one movie. Yeah. Encapsulate you know? it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think where Gamma Guard of the, of the universe succeeded so perfectly and this movie failed 
is that what do you do for the next monster? You look at the one, the way they did this, and he just keeps getting bigger. And at the, you know, at the end, he becomes like, you know, like the, like the crazy hot, uh, stoic lady scientist said, you know, he becomes a demon, you know, at the end of the, the you know, he just keeps growing and mutating and the wings are giant and he's like <laughs> so much bigger than Ultraman is. And it's just like, Oh my God, this is, this is an unstoppable foe. What do you do for the second act now? Right, Even right. if this had been mm-hmm. crazy popular, what do you do for the second act? Gamera and Guardian of the Universe, it's like you started with Gauss and then you, you know, and then you went to Legion, which was crazy. And you're like, oh my gosh, how do you, you know, how do you top that? And then they still managed to do it with of course, Iris. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was a, it was a great, it was, there were the stepping stones there. And from, from here, to me, it looks like they kind of tried to open with Gauss, and then they jumped straight to Iris for the finale. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, oh, guys, you're screwing the pooch here. You know, this isn't how, this isn't, the, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. So it was, so on top of everything, for me, it was bad storytelling. Mm, you mm. know, it's like they weren't, they weren't planning it out for a franchise. It's almost like they, they were... You know, intending just a, a one-off throwaway, and it's like, okay, what are we going to film next? So, would you, you say know? that was like your your biggest beef with the film? That was, you know, yeah. I mean, it's like not only was it a bad homage, they shot themselves in the foot while they did it, and I'm just, you know, just like, oh, guys, it's like, you know, the, <laughs> it's like this is, you know, this is a franchise that's half a century strong. You know, now it is. I mean, yeah, right, we, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. prior to this, prior to this, it was a, you know, mere puppet 40 years. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, they, I think there just should have been a little bit more, um, thought instead of just into it, instead of a regurgitation of all of these cliches that we were been talking about. It's like, oh, well, here, you know, everything else is like you were saying, it's like, it's, it's, there's this great resurgence and everything else is doing so well. It's like, can't leave Ultraman behind. It's like, oh, and so they just grabbed all these cliches and spat them mm, out in a movie. Mm. And an hour and a half later, it's like, oh, well, here we are. Sometimes I do wonder, uh, like, what the differences would be in those, um, I, I guess you call it like a table read for for a movie like that we get right. in Hollywood where you get someone saying, here's my idea, and they bring it in. The screenwriter comes in and tweaks it, and they send it off to somebody else and they tweak it and they, they really, in, in a sense, I know a lot of times in America we over fine tune it, but like, mm-hmm. you know, we fine tune things. And I just kind of wonder like how much fine tuning goes on in, in, uh, you know, at Toho and, and Katakawa and Subaraya, or do they just come in and say, this is what I did. I have this script. Let's just shoot it. You know, or if anybody ever says, that's not a good idea, that little part there. And we should change this here because I seem to think that if I was in the room and I'm a, I'm a fan, obviously not a filmmaker, but if I was in the room, I would have said something along the lines of, uh, that monster design doesn't look very good. You know, like we should take that back to the drawing board before we go get an expensive suit made. And, you know, I'm not just sure how expensive that suit was. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know the suits. You actually probably have a much stronger yeah, idea I'm not so, of how I'm much not suits sure. cost. Yeah, but, uh, I'm not sure. I think they. Uh, uh, yeah, I think they might have spent too much money on the earlier. Yeah, 
you know, stuff. And it's like, and kind of got to the end. It's like, oh, we don't have enough money to really <laughs> pay the sculptor to do a really yeah. good job on that. You know, it's, you know, if they'd known, honestly, it's like, like what, what Martin was saying about the lighting and everything like that. If you just looked at the storyboard, they should have, should have figured it's like, oh, you know what we need to do? We need to spend more money on the head. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's like I know there's a lot of detail and like shoulder crows and shoulder rats and all this stuff and blah 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 blah. We need to spend more money on the head because that's that was the 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 piece that was in eighty percent of the shots. And um, you know, it's like yeah, those Yusushi Nirasawa shoulder spike or our forearm spikes were pretty cool, yeah, and everything like that. But they were never in a close up. And, you know, now, you know, we, we got to spend the money on the head. They didn't do it. Mm, you know, mm, it's like, ah, oh, that's too bad. They spent some money on the first one on the wear lizard, you know, with little animatronic lips and everything like that. They spent, oh, some, yeah. you know, that, they spent that actual costume actual or that design yeah. reminded me of other things that I've seen in Japanese cinema that sort of like yeah. extended head and, you yeah. know, the weird lip. Well, Bemler had thing. that big neck. You know, and I think that's where they, I think they wanted to, I'm actually going to get design. my Bemler so you can see what we're talking yeah, about. He okay, be, yeah. He looks like, basically, Bemler looks kind of like a big spiky sock puppet. <laughs> yeah. You know, just, I like that. And he's yeah. got, and he's got like, and he's got these, you know, tiny little Tyrannosaurus Rex arms and, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I, I could see where they, like he's he's got that kind of he's got oh, that okay. long neck and you, see, you can see there on this you know and radio audience I'm sorry this isn't radio yeah. and I'm thinking you know podcast I just showed my age where, you, know, um, you quick going commercial you know, here's here you know there's where the guy looked out he looked, yeah he looked out from holes and flaps in the neck you know uh-huh. and um yeah I mean yeah. so you you can see where they were like well you know but you know Bemler had this big neck and so this the one is going to have this big neck it's like bemler so you, you could see where they kind of you know where they it's weird where they chose to remain canonical right right you know it's like hey, yeah. he's got a big long neck he's got big spikes he's got spikes yeah, yeah. on his back mm-hmm. uh, martin what was what was your what least favorite like. part what did you not like about this what was the the failure in the, in this film for you. So I, I've actually really been trying to think about that, encapsulate it while we've been talking about all this, because there's a lot of points going along here and it's like, man, I'll never be able to hit all of the things. And yeah. I think maybe <laughs> I figured out how, and the thing about this movie, uh, and I'm going to refer to even other films and some comparisons of it is that this was, I think in a lot of ways, this was a film that jumped the shark. I guess, you know, in my best happy days description of it. Absolutely. And if I, I got to thinking about other films and how to compare it. If I look at something like The Matrix with a couple of folks that make a film and they're trying new technologies and even a new way of telling a, a story that they've told before, that has been told before, and they're de- especially like on the new technology front, but trying to deliver something that people haven't seen before. And sometimes as a crew, as a cast, as a whatever, you've got to trust that these directors, this director, these producers are really going to pull this off because you don't see how it's all going to come together. And you get something like The Matrix that really works. But you can take those same people and go and make your next movie, that next, you know, Matrix Reloaded, and no, trust us, is going to do it. And then what you get is you get a Neo scene where he's flying around and knocking all of the Agent Smiths, and it looks like something that's ridiculous and cartoonish and it doesn't make sense. And, you know, you put that kind of faith out there. And this movie is one of those where 
someone was really good at being able to say, trust me, we can do this, but they themselves, and I, and you know, sometimes I think it can be a crapshoot. You can believe in your own ego and say, yes, we're going to pull this off. And you don't really know if you are, but you do sometimes and you don't sometimes. Um, you know, when these people are acting and going through the story and doing things, I thought that for not knowing Japanese, but I thought people did a really good job of acting. I think things were good. The only real weakness that I saw between the human characters on there is I got really confused between the wife and the husband because it kind of seemed like there was a point where I was like, are they divorced? Are they together? Because they really don't seem together right now. There was, was some sort of disconnect. Yeah. So there, yeah, there was yeah. a, there was a, well, there was an odd relationship thing that I didn't know if that was Japanese and cultural or if this is a lack in storytelling and bad directing. But when you got into other stuff, that very beginning with the first time we see the monster, it's dark, it's edgy, there's gun, the gunfire and all this stuff, and it's kind of scary, it's kind of creepy, don't yeah. know who this guy is, it's well shot, it's a good monster, it hides the flaws in the shadows, It's but it's, it's very alien-esque. Right. It's really well done, and that whole escape and all of that is good and sets up a really good thing. That first battle that they do in that kind of underground dome area in the exact same fortification is ridiculous it is it's completely <laughs> lacking in any type of forethought or skill it's completely ridiculous like you were saying brian it's overlit the suits are terrible and at no point in time some did someone go we can see every single flaw in this and at that point in time the monster was ridiculous and i was like why do we have this ridiculous hedgehog thing you know i don't understand this evolution of it we got this guy in, a, in an ill-fitting suit and and all of this it just was it it got silly mm -hmm. and then it is as the the things evolved and it went to the next round of the big fight and everything it went from being silly to i really felt like someone was on set and literally just going just make something happen oh, go right. yeah, yeah, you yeah. know <laughs> and and even in and i think even in post when you get into special effects that ends up reflecting what you're just doing because you're like oh we just shot things and stuff was happening and now i just need to make things happen like crows start flying up through the city i was like wow those are pretty good see there are times when the cg is really good in there and i'm like that's pretty good cg yeah there are times there are times where it where it's, <laughs> it's pretty good for Japan in 2004, 2005. Sure, that wouldn't sure. have been an American film in 2004, but in Japan, comparatively, it was pretty good. The crows flying through the city were pretty good, but then they start flying into the wings, and I was like, who took over on this thing? You know, <laughs> They're just getting blobby. <laughs> it, yeah, was just, yeah. it, got, yeah. it got ridiculous, yeah. and it was like someone who wasn't standing back and going, whoa, this isn't making sense. How do I do better with this? Don't get them in for a close-up on things that don't have detail that look like ink blobs. Right. And then we form the demon. It's a demon. No, I think that's actually just destroy a with a with a, with a, new, with a new paint job. Nice. Yeah, and like Destroya was what six, seven years prior to this one, yeah. and I was kind of like, I think they did a better job with Destroya. You know, it's like you repackage it, and, and it was. At, there was a point where it seemed like they re, they crossed a line and they started repackaging things because they just didn't know what to do. Right, right. And by then, it's too late. You're you're committed to your film. You're committed to your budget. Yeah. I mean, I, my problem with the, my biggest beef with the movie was the monster. I mean, just the design of the monster. I, n not even from the get go. I, like, I agree with you saying that that very first scene with him breaking out of the facility was, was kind of cool and it was very, 
uh, like you said, edgy and dark and mm-hmm. and scary, like legitimately scary. If mm-hmm. if Ultraman was for kids, it does show that Subaraya was like, no, we're making Ultraman for the adults <laughs> this time. You know, we're making it a frightening movie. I but, did feel that way on yeah. that first one. I was like, oh, this is going to be better. Yeah. But like from even that first scene, when you do get to see that iteration of of the the one and then all the way through the rest of the movie like i just wish you could erase him and put something better in because it was power rangers after that it was yeah it felt very Very power rangers yeah i mean i would say i would almost prefer any other monster being substituted (laughs) for the one just because and you know you were talking dave about the face it just looks like a bad puppet yeah. You know, like it was. I feel like what I could probably <laughs> sculpt a better face than that. And, uh, you know, that's not I'm not trying to sound like a, a jerk about that. I'm just saying, like, that's that you're right. They mm-hmm. had so much time on the face and it just really didn't it just never impressed me at all. Right. In fact, I think the first time he sort of goes from the human augmented face to the monster face, face yeah. I was like, that's disappointing. <laughs> um, I would have much rather had him look like almost like they just made a new Bemler. Just right, that's yeah. what he is, that's you know, just was. totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, like with that looked like an updated, well, the, the good version one, of him. The second one was sort of an updated Bemler. Yes. At seeing a little bit seeing yeah, it now yeah, and yeah. going back. I agree. Yeah. But the, and then it just yeah. goes and then it just goes crazy, crazy. off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Martin's analogy is perfect. It's destroyer. Yeah. He just keeps mutating, turning into, you know, he's every Aggregate animal forms, in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's a crab <laughs> and it's a bat and it's a turkey. But, but for me, that's like that literally is the, the worst Monkey part about man. the film. I mean, if you if you changed the creature and made it better looking, I'd actually give this a much higher rating, uh, even though it's got its CGI flaws. Some of it's a little jumpy and stuff like that, but that mm-hmm. didn't bother me as much just because, you know, I know we're talking about Subaraya and we're not talking about Universal, you know, right. We're mm-hmm. talking about people who don't have that much money. I'm, I'm I would love to know. I'm actually going to look at it right now and see if. There's any kind of information about the uh, the budget for this kind of thing? Nope, <laughs> no idea. Well, hopefully, uh, when I get Brad Warner on the show uh, for an actual interview, he and I can dive deeper into some Make of this him stuff. Answer for this. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that necessarily, but uh, well, let's talk about stuff that we liked about the film. Let's get a little positive here. Uh, Dave, say something good about Ultraman the Next. Um, something good about Ultraman the Next. Um, well, you know, actually, I did like the that first part. You know, the the, the part that Martin was just talking about, and when he when he when when the when the Bemler creature when the one sort of became that updated Bemler. Mm-hmm. As, as Power Rangery as it was, then I was kind of like, I was done then. As far as like, it's like, oh, I, this is the monster I want to see him fight now. Uh, he doesn't need to grow right. wings or, or rat shoulders or, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's like there, you know, there he is. Now we've got updated Ultraman and updated Bemler. Where's this going to go? And so I, I had that, I had a sense of excitement, you know, at that point as an old Ultraman fan. Right. 
there, you know, there was my nut right there. And so I was, I was kind of like that. I was getting kind of excited at that point and just kind of after that, just sort of steered in a direction that I rather didn't, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there, there was, I, I was having some fun seeing those tips of the hat to, uh, 1960s Ultraman. I would agree there were there were definitely tips of the hat to the that not just the that first episode that we're talking about, yeah. but this Ultraman's powers, his behavior, is mm-hmm. you know, stuff that he was up to. Uh what about you, Martin? I again stuff, I yeah. want to go back to that first scene. Yeah. The first scene was really good with uh the monster going in there, it's well shot, it's well lit. I loved that suit. And the way the person was walking in there, because that was a practical monster. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was bigger than everybody else in there, but it wasn't giant. So it, they were in a real structure. Didn't look like a set. Right. And so it looked like something. It was so well done. And I also liked the the doctor, who we find out later was having a relationship with this guy who was transforming. I loved her sitting there with that gun. Loading it because the whole time I'm like, she's loading up this bad gun here. This is going to be, she's like, cool. She's calm, collective. You know, this is dirty, hairy female going to walk out there. Really, I think back to what it she's is. She's just going to walk out and be like, make my day. But <laughs> I think really what it was is that I, I was interpreting it wrong. And it was more along the lines of steely uh, hesitation. Like, right. yeah. do I do my duty? But this is also my guy. Yeah. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that relationship. And I got to find out about it later. I loved it. I thought that was really great. A cool reveal for sure. Yeah. That whole, that, and I think that's probably why the rest of the movie does end up kind of letting us down because they just nailed that beginning. Mm. I, for me, I was stoked. I was like, Interesting. yes, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> oh man. So it's just all downhill after that first scene. <laughs> but, it, but, it, but at it least they a, had the first scene. Slowed down. But at least they had the first scene yeah. because the, uh, clearly they were capable of doing that. Yeah. And there's a multitude of reasons why they couldn't pull it off for the rest of the film. And again, the acting is really strong in all of the people stuff. I think that's really well done. So this is this had competent, capable people, and stuff happens. I don't know what what happened. They clearly were capable because that yeah, that first scene was great. Right on. All right. What about you, Rachel? So I know everybody hates the transformations, but I liked the i I liked that they did that. I thought it was a neat idea. But yeah, definitely the way they pulled it off was not very good effects. I had problems with those, but, but I thought it was hilarious when the rats turned into the crows, like the crows' <laughs> yeah, heads yeah, came through inside, the, like, through the rats' yeah. mouths. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> And maybe I that was a it. tribute to American Werewolf in London. Hey, maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the creativity of like, oh, they like you know the animals like get up onto him and then he like absorbs them. I thought it was a neat idea. Well, um, they did a great job and, on yeah. the on the lizards, all yeah, the skinks the, and yeah. stuff that were coming up on. And I actually. I'm having trouble remembering exactly what happened with the rats. Did it actually show them? Yeah. Yeah, it showed them like crawl up because they Same were all thing. little white albino rats all running up. And, oh, right. Yeah, and then they absorbed them, which I kind of thought they could have made his eyes red at least because albino <laughs> rats have red eyes. What was the power yeah. that he absorbed out of um, them, though? I mean, he got them as oh, like he shoulder just looked mounts. cool. But... <laughs> yeah, he just turned into like a gargoyle. I don't know. He Okay. I don't think he Because really the others got he was kind cool of pulling powers. in power. I know, and yeah. like you see the... I'm mouthing rat mouth. faces. I was hoping for something way cooler, and I was like, "Oh!" Did you walk out of the room when much. he bit Ultraman's finger? 
Is that <laughs> right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I missed the part where he attacked a cheese factory. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't run really fast through a wheel or anything. But That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he didn't really get much power out of that. It was just disappointing. But, um, but no, I thought the transformations were neat, even though the suits did not look very good but but i i still dug it just because i i'm a sucker for animals that i'm like ah yeah animal thing like yeah but what about you mr brian i think my favorite moment in the movie was uh, the the best executed scene was where ultraman flies when he learns he can fly and he's kind of going around in the buildings like kind of behind the 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 one and uh when he just has that realization and even says like, I can fly. Yeah. And I thought that was a really excellent showing of that kind of superhero moment that transcends Ultraman and feels like, you know, a comic book moment. Mm. I thought that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. It's kind of like Green Lantern. It was very much like Green Lantern. Even Green Lanternish. Even the, uh, when he hits the meteor and he's kind of floating there, they do the homage to that Ultraman scene that the whole fighter pilot vibe of it Mm -hmm. and him getting a superpower during a crash. That was very Green Lantern to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I I dug that kind of stuff. So actually, I loved that moment when we were watching it tonight. And, uh, it's, it's that hero's realization of like, oh my gosh. I can do this awesome yes. thing because for the most part, he goes through the entire movie and he's essentially doing nothing but blocking, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he's trying to get some hits in, but those are just punches and kicks. And then, you know, he finally finds his like real like power. And that's a, that's something that, you know, relates to his own character mm-hmm. when, you know, as a human, I, I enjoyed that very much, even though, uh, you know, it was a little jumpy. I thought the, yeah. The aerial, the first aerial battle that they had, the the one in Ultraman was fantastic and exciting. I mean, an exciting, oh, yeah. ex- exciting part. Um, I, uh, my, I guess my favorite part about this this film is just I actually, uh, I actually really like the rebooted Ultraman look. And I know he went through his phases as as metamorphosis. And I agree, I don't really care for that first one, but the. Uh, it's almost like a making it an organic biomass instead of it just being, um, you know, a big shiny silver suit. Uh, and I dug that. And actually, I think one of the things I, um, I, you know, we, we were talking about homages earlier. Mm-hmm. There were a couple in there that I thought were really fantastic, uh, you know, just to cheat and give a few more things that I loved about the film. The, they're, when they were meeting in uh, when uh, Maki and the Ultraman character were meeting in that sort of like subconscious space that they had, I loved that effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it never made me go, this looks stupid or, you know, it took, it never took me out of that suspension of disbelief. And uh, even the nervous system mm-hmm. starting from the, the Ultraman crest on the chest that, that kind of like yes. shows up in space, all of that stuff to me was fantastic. And I would, I, uh, I Is would be a- disappointed if that didn't happen in the following series, Ultraman Nexus, but. Is that Dragon Ball space? Is that, what, is that uh... <laughs> what did I say? I said it looked like Doctor Who, the intro to Doctor yeah. Who yeah. in the beginning. But, um, but I mean, I enjoyed that. And it, like they had that, the, this cool effect on Maki's character where it looked like, you know, he was almost dissipating, but at the same time flying through space. It was really cool. But 
they for the uh, another homage the when he gets angry at one point like uh inside of that space i think his the red is sort of going around his face and it goes around his eyes and it totally looked like the ultra seven glasses oh, yeah. at <laughs> one point. And I was like, that's awesome. That's cool. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, in general, I, I have a lot of things I could praise about this film. It's a uh, for, for cause uh, my, my previous films that I had seen were the Dinah Gaia Tiga films. And, so I, I think there were two of those that I had seen. One of them I actually did enjoy very much. And the other one um, I bought because I liked the look of the monster. And then I watched it and I was like, no, that's not nearly as cool as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so this was uh, in 2004. This was refreshing uh, for the Ultraman stuff for me. But uh, I guess we should just move into final thoughts now. Um, Dave. Final thoughts on this film. Would you share it with somebody? Would you tell uh, someone who was a kaiju newbie to watch this film? Uh, no, I don't think I would. Yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think that there's just, like we're talking about the Cosmos stuff or even um, uh, even just some of the more recent um, uh, episodes of the, of the series. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's Ultra Mega Monster... Oh yeah, battle or whatever that show is called, Galaxy mashup thingy. I think we're missing Um, like fifteen more words from the title. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy, Palooza. (laughs) The um, uh, you know whether whether it's one of those or Mabius or uh, your or any of the other ones. I think I would. I think I would go with some of the more uh polished stuff. So they're they're definitely better examples in In, the pantheon ultra of Ultraman, and definitely. I mean, I actually we can say that. Like, would you use? Would you use this film to introduce somebody to Ultraman as opposed to just using this film to introduce someone to kaiju? Oh, movies? I'd use yeah, Ultraman yeah. Ultra to introduce original, somebody to Ultraman. Yeah, for oh, sure. yeah. It's like yeah. just just like, hey, here's this super campy 1960s thing. Isn't this fun? Now nah, look what they're doing now. <laughs> you know, and just you know, show them some of the some of the new stuff. It's is uh I think I think that would be I would that's how I would do it. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Oh, and, oh, and here's Gamera. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just uh, yeah. I, no, no, no. Everything I, everything pales in comparison. No, I yeah, I agree. And listen to the last yeah. episode of 2014 if you yeah. want to hear us talk oh, all yeah. about Gamera. Oh, I'm sorry yeah, I missed yeah. that. Oh man. It just would have made an extra long episode to have more people <laughs> on now. <that. laughs> yeah. It was it was fun. Uh Martin Final thoughts, good uh, sir. So I have to say I'm a little bit on the fence on whether or not I would recommend this to a newbie because mm-hmm. I think if it was a newbie, again, not having seen any of the other Ultraman, but if someone were to make this a forced point, you have to watch this when you're a newbie. I think people could get away with it because I think it carries enough stuff in it that people would recognize who are not already indoctrinated that mm-hmm. it would be able to be an okay experience for them. I Makes don't think sense. it would be overly negative. I don't think it'd be overly positive. I think they could walk away from this and and be all right with it. Yeah. Uh as opposed to some other films. So, um yeah, you know, I uh, again, solid beginning and, you know, let down as it went along, but I I guess I I enjoyed that beginning enough that it it kind of left a little spark of hope. So it. now you need to come back and watch <clears throat> some other Ultraman stuff. Well, that's the thing yeah. is yeah. now, I, and I'm curious really quick as a question. Sure. Why was this picked as a kaiju film to watch in here? Are there other 
Ultraman movies? Are those coming up on the docket or Great why question. did this one make it? Great question. Uh, because I wanted to cover this actually. Mm-hmm. So this is our second or third Ultraman film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could bring it up. Did I really miss long. the other? I guess I missed the other. Yeah. Time. So, um, but, but in terms of ultra films, uh, I think, I don't know if we have another one in the lineup, mm-hmm. you know, through whatever, 2016. Um, I know there are a lot of Ultraman movies that are not in the Daikaiju discussion list. Mm-hmm. Um, way more movies in the, in the Ultraman series than, than I have. Um, so when we reboot the series, I think what we're going to do in the series, when we reboot the Daikaiju discussions, I think what's going to happen is we will start including all of the Ultraman movies as well. And because we're going to be watching everything in chronological order, I think it'll make a lot more sense. And you'll, you know, new listeners and, and even old listeners will be able to get a, a sense of the, the progression there as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as far as I know, you know, I think like this was not available here in the States. I had to, we were watching a Japanese DVD of this movie. So, uh, you know, thank God it had subtitles, but it was released with English subtitles on it. So, uh, maybe this and other Ultraman movies will, you know, be released as time goes on. You know, Ultraman is just not nearly as popular here as it is in Japan. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, Oh, did that answer your question? Yeah, it did. Okay, cool. Right on. <laughs> Sometimes I just blather on. And, and Rachel, final thoughts. I would say that um, for people that had have never actually seen any kaiju films, I would say that the Ultraman TV show is a fantastic introduction to kaiju in general. I okay. that was my first real introduction, other than Power Rangers, I guess was really it. But um, I think that's why I got into Ultraman so much. Um, was it reminded me of Power Rangers? But um, and it had that nostalgia factor. But uh, but the film though, I just I. I'm not a huge fan of it. I, it misses the campiness that we talked about with the original Ultraman series that I just love. I love the, the goofy, fun parts of it. And I also, I really miss the Science Patrol. Mm-hmm. I, the Science Patrol is a yeah. huge part of what I love about the mm-hmm. Ultraman series. And I love any team element in any film. And, and that's what I love in a lot of my favorite comic books involve teams. It's Teen Titans and it's the Justice League. And that's um, something that I really miss about this film is that team element. You just don't really get. There's just a, such a small part of it with the military. But um, but yeah, overall, I there's parts of it that I like and that are fun. But I just I don't really have much of a desire to watch it again. <laughs> gotcha. So, it's understandable. Yeah. It is understandable. Yeah. Brian? Um, it's, it's an interesting flick. It, uh, it's not a bad idea. I think that someone could reboot the Ultraman series and do a really good job. And, and, uh, this just wasn't it, unfortunately. And yeah, it's, it, it does kind of pain me to think that this is your first exposure. To Ultraman. <laughs> I know. I just, it makes me want to just do it. it just Ultraman marathon weekend. Yeah. 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 That's the good news. But, uh, That's true. <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, it does. Um, you have the basic idea of what Ultraman's all about. Like, all of them are kind of variations on, you know, this guy is now a superhero that can fight monsters. So, but yeah, I wish that you would watch the TV show <laughs> someday, man. But right. actually, I can hook you up with the TV show. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you'll have to think, you know, okay, this is 1966, you know, <laughs> and it's television. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, my final thoughts on Ultraman the Next are that, uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoy this film. It's It's got flaws, but it's got a lot of really great things going for it that I personally enjoy in uh, not just kaiju films, but the Ultraman, like I said earlier, the pantheon of Ultraman stuff. Uh, it still holds a place in... Uh, as I said, nostalgia for me that, that I really enjoy. And um, honestly, I I don't think that I would show this to someone who is new to the kaiju genre. Um, but that that's more <laughs> that is more due to the fact that as we go further and further into you know the future of kaiju films, things just keep getting better and better. And there's there's no reason to show this to somebody when there are better executed films to show someone. Amen. And uh, and as far as introducing someone to the Ultraman series, I actually would use this to introduce someone to the Ultraman series, just because I know that when I saw Godzilla vs. Biollante, I was like, wow, that was amazing. And, you know, that film still holds up in some areas, doesn't hold up as well in other areas, but it's still a film that made me take a step back out of where whatever mindset I was in at the time and say like, oh, you know, this is this is kind of cool. I would like to see more. And I think that Ultraman the Next does have elements that that could produce that result in someone's brain. So uh, that being said, we are going to go ahead and move on to our listener homework. Uh, the first thing we are going to do is play our Kaiju Colonel's homework and that is danny who sent in his homework for ultraman the next this was my first time watching ultraman the next in fact it's the first time i've ever had to buy a film specifically for the daikaiju discussions and i'm glad i did because boy did it rock this was a great film i was definitely aware of it for many years and was intrigued by its bold take on a serious ultraman story and premise the kaiju cast finally gave me an excuse to buy it and to get back into the ultra universe after a year of godzilla all the time. While viewing the film, I was stunned at how consciously different it was from the preceding and most of the subsequent Ultraman stories. This difference in tone, of course, was all part of the plan. Following the colorful Ultraman Cosmos TV and film series, Tsuburaya decided to try something radical and set out to reimagine the character for a new millennium. It was a bold move, and the extent of just how far Tsuburaya was willing to push the property into the unknown became more and more apparent as the three stages of what would be known as the Ultra N Project were revealed. The first stage, Noah Nostalgia, focused on the reveal of a new and radically redesigned hero, Ultraman Noah. The second stage, Next Infinity, was the release of this movie, and introduced fans to a whole new kind of adventure. With its real-world setting, and uh, nary a laser gun or advanced monster-fighting jet to be seen, heavy emphasis on character and family, and a dark and even graphic plot and origins for both Hero and Kaiju, this is, as they say, not your daddy's Ultraman. The plot is very grounded, and the character interactions feel very real. Maki's relationship with his family, especially his sick son, is the heart of the film, and this remarkable injection of relatable and uh, emotional center point in a franchise more famous for lovable but stereotypical characters worked miracles for the watching experience. For all of its um, differences from the rest of the series, there are still plenty of Ultraman tropes present, and more than a few great homages. 
The plot plays out much like the pilot episode of the original Ultraman, with the awesome new creature, The One, even has a few physical similarities to Bemular, Ultraman's first opponent, as well as Ella King's tail, by the way. Ultraman's color timer is updated to a unique new shape and beats like a heart instead of beeping, but the homage is clear. And for you Ultra Q fans out there, how can you not smile when Maki got out of his Cessna and was greeted by a character named Ipe, who calls him Senpai? I giggled and grinned like a crazy person. Another thing that had me grinning was the effects. Although the CG is somewhat dated, just seeing Ultraman flying between those buildings and fighting in midair so cinematically and realistically had me cheering like at the screen like a kid. And that rockin' theme by Takamatsumoto. So good! The movie really reminded me how much fun Ultraman can be, and just how special he is, and his series is as well. The third part of the Ultra N project, Nexus Trinity, tied the previous two stages together with the series Ultraman Nexus, which, thanks to being placed in a kiddie time slot, caused the sequel and development for this film to be cancelled, and the entire experiment to unfairly be dubbed a failure. But in my opinion, the project was no such thing, and stands today as a remarkable deviation that actually worked. It's a universe I'd love to return to one day, should we ever be so lucky. Four and a half silver comets out of five. Nice. Well, <laughs> Danny, oh thank you very much for the uh, the lesson there. I'm I'm very glad that you you actually filled me in because, like I said, I'm just not very versed in the Ultraman lore. So uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it as well. Uh, we are going to go ahead and move on to our written homework sent in, uh, starting with. Mike Keller, who says the first time, uh, this is the first time since he has been participating in the Daikaiju discussions that he has had to watch and comment on a film that he had not seen before. Ultraman the Next strikes him as the textbook example of an average film. There's nothing abysmal or embarrassingly bad in it, yet nothing to raise it to the heights of the genre classic. He'd put it a notch below Gamera the Brave, and the inclusion of Zetus in that film kicks it up above Ultraman the Next. The monster referred to here as the one is serviceable, but nothing special or memorable. It's actually slightly reminiscent of one of the monsters in the 1990s animated Ultraman movie. As a complete reboot of the Ultra universe, the movie very loosely follows the concept of the very first Ultraman of 1966, when Bemular and uh, with the monster Bemular and Hayata crashing into Ultraman's travel sphere and becoming his human host on Earth. There is also an homage to Ultra Q with the Cessna and his crew, uh, which, by the way, I did totally. I, I love Ultra Q, though. So, like, <laughs> the fact that they had somebody named Ipe, and then uh, he even called the girl Yuri-chan. That was all, I was, like, grinning like an idiot during that part. But uh, anyway, yeah, the homage to Ultra Q. Uh, then this would have been, this would have completely gone over Mike's head had he not seen the film in 2005, as he had not watched Ultra Q at the time. The other thing worthy of note is the closing song by Tak Mutsumoto Group, which features Jack Blades of Night Ranger. So now there's a connection between Ultraman and Boogie Nights. Hell yes! Hang <laughs> <laughs> right on. The best way Greg would describe Ultraman the next would be Surabaya's attempt at a Gamma Guardian of the Universe for the Ultraman series, giving the series a new start with a more mature tone. He thinks the effects are very well done, aside from some of the CG. The Ultraman design could take a bit getting used to for some fans of the series, but he thinks for this film, it's a neat design. The one even has a passing similarity to Bimler, particularly his second form. 
The characters are acted pretty well, and Greg's, Greg thinks Maki is one of the more unique heroes to the Ultra series. Not too happy about his merger with Ultraman, and having a wife and son adds a personal stake to the final battle. Two aspects of this film he would like to see more of in this series are the absence of a typical Science Patrol-esque defense force, and the hero not being part of it in addition to being a more or less a normal guy. So he thinks the opposite of Rachel. Right. Rachel wants I, more science. I, I, I was sitting there confused, like, am I hearing this right? Yeah. Who doesn't want more science patrol? I don't get it. Those All right, little orange Greg, you've suits, made Rachel's list. <laughs> I don't want to get fired again. Greg, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. You can you can think what you want. No. <laughs> well, would Greg uh suggest this to someone new to Kaiju films? Probably. It's an enjoyable film, aside from a few minor flaws. As an introduction to the Ultra series, that's harder to say. On one hand, it stands alone from the other shows in the series, aside from the sequel series, Ultraman Nexus, so there's not much continuity behind it. On the other hand, it's not very indicative of what the series normally has to offer. Personally, he would recommend at least giving it a watch. Adam says that Ultraman is fun. The original series, silly, cheap, and imaginative. Ultra 7, the second series, was still silly and cheap, but had a tongue-in-cheek seriousness that made it fun as well. The numerous series that came after fell into a predictable, beat-up-the-monster rut that kids in Japan and Toku fans loved, but were never brought over to the mainland U.S. The recent efforts to revive Ultraman are inspired by the reimagining of the Gamera movies of the 60s into the standard bearer of the kaiju genre. Well shot in high-definition video, Ultraman the Next works well as a standalone entry in the Ultraman tradition. The script is very good with an emphasis on human relationships. Tetsuo Besho does a great job as Shinichi Maki, the leading man who becomes Ultraman after a fighting plane accident. He portrays his role very emotionally, especially since, or especially when he is captured by the government. That child actor in this is actually likable. <laughs> He even brought a, a tear to Adam's eye when telling his father Maki to go on being a pilot, even though he is sick and in the hospital. The practical effects are well done and still hold up today in Adam's opinion, but the CG appears very dated, especially compared to CG used by Tsuburaya today. Adam really loves the music in this movie, composed and performed by Japanese rock artist Tak Matsumoto and his supergroup TMG. It helps give the movie a nice Top Gun feel. Adam would also encourage anyone else who loved this movie to check out its sister series, Ultraman Nexus, which is in Adam's top five of Ultra series. Ultraman the Next, or simply Ultraman, not to be confused with Kamen Rider the Next, and a much better movie than Godzilla Final Wars, is quite possibly one of the greatest movies ever. Steven says that simply put, Ultraman the Next is the John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band version of Ultraman. Sounds kind of the same, but not quite the quality of a Springsteen. Springsteen, of course, represents the best that is Ultraman in this scenario. Sure. Wow. Sure. <laughs> Cannot argue with that. <laughs> I, I can't argue with that just because I have no well, idea I what it means. <laughs> Other than the original Ultra series, Brandon has not seen anything else, so this was something different. Overall, he liked it, and he wants to check out more of the Ultra movies. The story of this flick is one we've seen many times. Something happens causing two people to get superpowers, one good, the other bad, blah, blah, blah. Brandon enjoyed the monsters changing forms, and the Ultra suit reminded him of the Giver. But since he's new to the Ultraman world, he can't compare it to anything else. 
It's very sad for Brandon. <laughs> or or not sad for Brandon. He it might not a, be. He can see a whole bunch of other really cool bo- boss stuff. Hopefully this opened up a brand new world like of Like Ultraman Ultra. Nexus, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed quite a bit. Right on. Jamie writes in to say that watching Ultraman the Next was a right treat and put him in the mind of the new Kamen Rider movies that were a remake of the original TV series. However, it was more than that. In Ultraman the Next, what we have is a strong human drama story that helps to ground the story and its fantastic elements in our world. We have Maki and his love for planes and his dream of flying, but also his love for his wife, Yoko, and child, Tsugumu. While Maki could have been created in a cheap manner by the lesser writers and actors to get us to care for the main character, instead we got a wonderful performance and some genuine heartstring pulling that certainly made Jamie tear up more than once. He especially enjoyed the flashback scene between Maki and Yoko, in which she talks about the realization of being a pilot's wife. That flashback really helped her character, making her seem to be a sympathetic instead of nagging wife and mother, who is struggling to raise a child with an illness while trying to keep the father from being a bad guy in the eyes of Sugumu. Jamie imagines that anyone who has a spouse in the army or police or any such strenuous job could relate to her. Jamie also quite enjoyed the character of Sarah, She is just trying to stop this evil creature that has taken over her lover's body from killing anyone else. While she may have come off as cold at times, you come to understand her and don't hate her. That's almost exactly what you said. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Also, how sad was it for her in the tunnels beneath Tokyo when she's shooting Udo in his human form, even while Maki is trying to instill some hope that Udo is still alive and savable in some way? Sarah instead has a job to do, and she did it to her best. She did her best to fulfill it. Overall, this film really treated the main female stars well, and Jamie was happy for that. The action was classic Ultraman, from the movies to the sound effects, and the monster suit was simply amazing and scary, with a very human eyes set in the monster's face early in the film. While he liked the Ultraman suit, as well as the smaller scale sets early on, it definitely had a more organic techno feel to it like the live-action Guyver movies made in the U.S. Plus, it was, neat how they brought in, uh, it was neat how they brought in the time limit for the original series as a way of showing the merger between Maki and Ultraman not being complete. The CGI, sadly, does not work all that well. Even though it was released in 2004, it feels like a sign of the Japanese movie industry still working with this new technology. It wasn't a huge distraction, but you could tell it was dated. Jamie loved the music, the scenes between Maki and Kurishima definitely had a Top Gun feel. <laughs> Absolutely had a Top Gun feel. <laughs> and the strong guitar work was awesome and energetic. Overall, he would use this movie as an intro to the older tokusatsu films for newer tokusatsu fans, the same way he would use Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, to introduce newer kaiju fans to the Turtles' older films. Jamie gives this three Ultraman sounds out of four. <laughs> There you go. There's our Daikaiju discussion for Ultraman the Next. Uh, the next month's discussion film is Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. Yes! Dorats! Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler! That's hilarious that you said that because I was Snarf. actually going to mention it as well. Uh, uh, because December, or December, because February is a short month, we are going to have the, uh, the homework due on February 20th. So please make sure to send in your homework before the 20th to make sure that you get that in for the discussion episode. 
And we're going to go ahead and move on because we have pickled ginger. Yes. <laughs> so this is uh, the first time Dave has been with us for a pickle ginger. This is a new segment on the show that we sort of use as a palate cleanser after the Daikaiju discussion oh. before getting into the rest of the episode. Right it is a trivia game. Oh, my. So <laughs> listeners send in their own trivia questions with the answers, and the first person to get it uh, in that question wins. This is not, this is almost like at midnight. There's no real point. You don't really win. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it's so far, uh, so far this guy over here has pretty much, if there were prizes to take home, he'd have been taking them home. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but I'm a nerd. This is time, yeah. Dave. Don't, don't hesitate no, have, either, I man. I, when my, it comes my to old man, my old man brain is not up. He'd no, dude, gonna take it. No, you should, you should, you should, Make him fear you. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Break him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this pickle ginger was sent in by Tom. Tom, thanks so much for sending this in. Question number one for everyone. Obviously, this is for everybody. Uh, what is the tallest incarnation of Godzilla? Bonus points if you get the height within thirty feet or one hundred meters or the ten meters. The twenty fourteen Godzilla is it three hundred and sixty-eight feet? Yeah, I would say three hundred. <laughs> Okay, so I guess I'm going to say <laughs> Rachel gets the point for saying the the correct Godzilla, and uh, Martin gets the point for guessing 360. Yeah. This is actually 355, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. nice. Nice work. Go team. Now we're on the team. Yes. <laughs> Take that, Brian. <laughs> I will give my points to Rachel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was just one point. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take all the points. I take point. them all. True or false? Titanosaurus from Terror of Mechagodzilla was based on a real dinosaur called Titanosaurus, which was an aquatic predator. False. 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 Oh. Okay, so uh, <laughs> that is correct. False. There is a real Titanosaurus, but it was a four-legged herbivore and has nothing to do with the kaiju Titanosaurus. I'm actually All interested. Right. Does anybody know if uh, that was named pre-1975, if that was a dinosaur that was identified before 1975? Do I don't know that. Because it could have been yes. somebody who was like, I Someone knows that. Yeah. <laughs> More of a fake dinosaur no expert, room. not yeah. real dinosaur expert. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know any dinosaur experts offhand. I don't either. Maybe, maybe Andy Campbell from Kaiju 101 might He's know that. He's a pretty smart guy. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, well done, Rachel. Or I right? think I won. I think she yeah. won. Yeah. I think I'm yeah. going to go with that. Brian, are you just not answering <laughs> these questions because you don't want to? <laughs> Are you afraid of what's going to happen when you get home if you win again? I, I legitimately don't know the answers. So. Okay. Oh, I didn't legitimately know the answer. Well, I guess, yeah, I'd say it's, it's, it's not about actually knowing the answers. It's 50-50, man. Yeah. Honestly, knowing that you're good at this, the first thing that comes to my mind, I say it. Well, first I screen it to make sure it's within the genre, and then I say it. <laughs> All right. Question number three. Who has appeared in more movies... Gamera or Mothra? Mothra. Mothra. Uh, Gamera. Ooh. Oh, no, really? I was going to say Gamera because they all yelled Mothra. <laughs> I didn't say I was right. I just said the first thing. Uh, yeah, it was, was kind of lame. I was going to say Dracula, but, <laughs> yeah. was, uh, but that was I feel like giving choice. you the point because uh, it was, Dracula was in more movies than those According guys. to Tom, they've both appeared in an equal amount of movies. Oh! Oh, does but, that count the larva but, 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 let's, let's uh, instead of that, let's actually have a guess. How many movies would you say that is? Seven. Oh, mm, ten. 
I'm pointing at you, Brian. I know. I'm thinking he's actually don't counting think. the legitimate <laughs> movies. <laughs> at least when he can't look at the posters around me. <laughs> I was actually I'm looking eight. up, not yeah, at I know. posters. I'm just saying, at least you can't look around <laughs> yeah. and like just count the posters in this yeah. room. Mothra's is not really represented very well in this nine? room. Nine? Okay. Did you I, guess? I thought it was eight. Eight. So it's. I think Rachel was closest. The answer is twelve, according to. Yes. Oh, twelve. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot. And yeah, there's all those Mothra kids movies. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then there, now, and do you count, like, are, were we saying how many movies that Mothra is in or how many Mothras appeared in movies? Because there's, there's multiple Mothras, Mothras you know, Mothras. in some movies. Uh, great question. I don't Tom, know. Tom, <laughs> right in, yes. right in. Let us know. Let's get Tom on the phone right now. <laughs> this question is your phone number. <laughs> uh, question number four. Right? Yeah. Math. Uh, in 2014, Godzilla appeared in a TV advertisement for a chocolate bar. Snickers? Oh! oh very what? good. No, he's right. <laughs> what was the actor? No, I'm just kidding. It was what chocolate <laughs> yeah. bar was it? So Brian, Brian only got that because he's hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Brian when he's hungry. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's three more. You guys want to keep going? Yeah. yeah. All right. What is the name of the first kaiju to attack Earth in Pacific Rim? Um, is it Knifehead? Oh. No, it is oh, not Knifehead. No, I couldn't remember. Uh, oh, I can actually picture the oh, one. And is it I... Karloff? Yeah, you see, you said it's um. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's in the back. It doesn't there. have the names on it's there. A... Oh, I can see it. <laughs> no, it's it's kind of like a. Is it? Oh, stereotypical. Is it Otachi? Stereotypical Wayne Barlow design. <laughs> so thank you for getting that. No, thank you for getting that. This one actually is not a stereotypical Wayne Barlow design. Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's one, not the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, I, I can I, I can picture it. I, I don't think I actually don't know. It. Yeah, one. the one that hits and the San Francisco. Really, it's a flashback, isn't it? It's shown in a flashback. Yeah, the F-16 hits it and all that. So yeah, I can see its name. Yeah, the answer is Axe Head. Axe or Trespasser. Trespasser. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. It wasn't uh, a Wayne Barlow design? No, no. Really? Because that had Wayne Barlow all over it. No. Really? I'm pulling out my books here. Uh, <laughs> now, Wayne, I am sure Wayne Barlow was in the room when it was designed. No, I'm sure so they... Somebody was probably yeah. sucking up to Wayne Barlow if it wasn't Wayne Barlow. <laughs> I'm just saying. Sometimes Guy Davis does that. Oh, don't talk oh, trash no. about Guy Davis. No, I love house. Guy Davis. What's that? Uh, the Neverman is one of the best things ever. I love Guy Davis's work. Yeah, uh, somewhere in here, there's Knife Head, Axe Head. Da, da, da. Let's see here. I don't know if it's going to tell me who designed it. Uh, the bummer thing is, is I actually like I could picture the you whole backstory that they hold the in for Pacific Rim yeah. Year One and everything. And Simon yeah. Weber and Alex uh, Alex Yeager. Lies. Actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Sure. All right. That's, that's fine. How is Jaeger See, that's spelled? Is it spelled the same way? Honestly, that's what. That's what. When you set up this trivia thing, I was expecting questions like that. Yeah. <laughs> Not like which, which commercial did Godzilla sell a candy bar? I was like, you know, that. I that was know, a great. No, it was good. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> because he was he was water skiing. I remember I'm, that. No, it, was, it. it was fun. It was a good commercial. All right, I did good. enjoy that one, and it was an actual suit. That's cool. Uh, so, next question. The original Godzilla was partially inspired by the 1953 American movie, The Beast from... 20,000 Fathoms. Nice work. Boom. All right. Nice work. <laughs> Points to Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and then uh, his last question, I I'm gonna ask it just because it's on here. Hey, Charles Barkley. Uh, <laughs> damn it! Is that the Ryan, answer? How did you get there? Yes. Churches. Not a fan of this last question. So, however, in a realistic scenario, who would win in a fight? 1954 Godzilla or 1933 King Kong? King Kong. King Kong, Godzilla, 1933, <laughs> yep. Oh, Godzilla. Was no that doubt. an answer? What did you say? <laughs> yeah, King Kong. No, okay. man. Fire <laughs> breath, man. Fire breath, man. Uh, his answer, and the deal here is that we're, we actually do go with the the listeners' questions and answers instead of, like, trying to debunk them for any reason. Mm-hmm. Not that this could be debunked, but uh, the answer, <laughs> according to Tom, is King Kong because Godzilla would collapse under his weight in the real world while a King Kong-sized animal could feasibly exist. <laughs> and then he admits it's a bit of a cheap question. So. <laughs> I liked it. Okay, whatever physics major. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Your rules of physics have no place here in our kaiju lands. I would, I would love to be able to discuss how he feels a reptile would be able to make it better than a mammal, since the reptile would probably have a hard time getting off the rock to even be moving anyway. Yeah. Uh, oh my. Since it wasn't warm enough, so. All right. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think uh, we're going to take a music break. So, because we talked a lot about the original Ultraman episode, I think that's what we're going to play before we get to the news. reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. So we don't really have a lot of news to cover today. Uh, You know, there's been a a handful of little tiny things coming out that are on Sci-Fi Japan. So uh, if you love Godzilla stuff, make sure you go to SciFiJapan.com for uh, those kinds of things. But basically... The only news item I have to really talk about is uh, that Godzilla, Rulers of Earth, it's been officially announced that that series is coming to an end at uh, the last issue is 25. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Um, the cool thing about it, and you know, this, I, my friends work on it, you know, like Chris, Matt, and Jeff, uh, you know, they're buddies of mine. So it's it's awesome that they've been working together for so long. And the coolest thing about it is that they – with issue 25, 
will be uh, cementing themselves in some sort of world record for the longest continuous Godzilla series that's going to oh, beat out oh, the Marvel series nice. by one issue. Oh, that's, that's very cool. cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I like the series. I, I love what it's doing. And uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely fan service. You know, they show a lot of monsters. Oh, yeah. There's a ton of like little hidden homages to different things. It's a really great series. And uh, maybe we'll do something special when actually that uh, that ends. I think if I'm correct, I remember, I think Chris said it was going to be like the July issue uh, of this year. But uh, more to come on that as as it develops. And yeah, that's pretty much it for our news. We do have some catastrophic events going on. Um, as Jim talked about in the last episode, Lexington Comic-Con is, uh, they're having some Sentai guests. I'll have a link to the Lexington Comic-Con, uh, uh, which is Kentucky, uh, link to their website in the show notes, as well as, um, some other shows, which include the guest for Monster Palooza. Now, this guest, uh, that was announced is not necessarily kaiju related, but I'm interested in talking to him anyway if I get the opportunity. Sonny Chiba will be at Monster Palooza yeah. March 27th, 28th, and 29th, I believe. And uh, that's down in Burbank, California. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? And uh, yeah, I'm taking Lady Kyle down and we're going to go hang out, I think. We're probably going to do another listener party like we did last time, which was a lot of fun, even though uh, last time what we did is we found a bar. Keith Foster, calling you out, man, uh, found a bar <laughs> that would have been great, but they were celebrating their, like, some anniversary of being open, and it was absolutely packed in there. So we were all, like, squeezed up against one section of the bar going like, eh, so you like Godzilla too, huh? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, Monster Palooza is a great time, and I'm really looking forward to uh, to that. And I'm looking forward to more uh, events being announced as the year progresses. So that will do it for our catastrophic events. Housekeeping stuff. Uh, so I, I mentioned it in the last episode uh, that I'm disbanding the Kaiju Core. Uh, and the... I was trying to not make it seem sad. And then I went back and I read through the chat transcript and I was like, Oh no, yeah. I did a bad job. So that was not my intent. I mean, this is no, my, my problems with the Kaiju core uh, and, and the, it was like, if I hadn't decided to do a Kickstarter and have a documentary and, uh, in addition to all the other things going on in my life, the, the Kaiju Core might have <laughs> done well. But, uh, you know, the first year we did it, we, we had, uh, it was, it was an okay amount of people that joined the Kaiju Core. It was kind of, it was cool to, to get the support from people. I absolutely, hands down, without a doubt, appreciate the support. And that was really cool of everybody, uh, to put their money where their ears you know, are, and then, you know, if you enjoy the show, that's, that's great. And I, I think it's fantastic that we have so many listeners. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get enough members of the Kaiju core to like cover the minimums for like sticker production and stuff like that. So I have like a ton of merchandise left over from this first, from the first year of the Kaiju core. So I'm not even sure what's going to happen for the people that did pay for their second year, 
Um, I know I'm going to get, you know, t-shirt made for the people who did get their kernel sponsorships coming in. And, uh, and we did, uh, we are going to be continuing this, the Kaiju core people who have paid, will get it through July. So all the way through July of this year. So a good half of the year, it's going to be business as usual. We just aren't accepting any new memberships. And then once July is over, then what's going to happen is the exclusivity of the Kaiju core will go away. And then anybody who comes to a table where I'm tabling or, uh, or uh, if they contact me separately and, you know, can deal with maybe waiting a little while before me shipping out the merchandise might be able to get some of the stuff that was for the Kaiju core, but I'm, I'm going to have it with me at G fest. Uh, it's going to be available. We've got lanyards, we've got patches, we've got stickers, lots of stickers. And, um, you had me at lanyards. Did I? (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I just, I, for me, it's one of those things where I'd much rather have everything to do with the Kaiju cast be something that I really look forward to and something that makes me excited to be a part of. And, and, uh, I just have had a lot of trouble shipping stuff out and getting things done when I had all these other responsibilities. So this I, is, this I don't is think my like way shipping's of, uh, the big problem because I think people maybe misunderstood that they thought, Oh, you know, I'll help ship stuff, you know, oh, I think no, it's no. the, the it's, whole element of you have to design all of the yeah, things that yeah. you're, that yeah. you're creating. I, w- for I the was Kaiju scrambling core. to get that stuff designed and produced before the, before G fest this last mm-hmm. year, um, which should not have been the case, but I'm a procrastinator. <laughs> Wait till the last minute to do stuff. Uh, but you know, the, overall, I think this is going to be good for the podcast in general, just because it'll free me up to do my own stuff where I say, uh, instead of this being an exclusive shirt to people who have paid a certain amount of money to support the podcast, uh, I'll just produce some shirts and then have them for sale at conventions and, and so forth. So I'm, I'm cool with it, and I hope you guys, the listeners out there, are cool with it too. Uh, it was it was an honor serving with you. You're all still <laughs> kaiju core in our hearts. Oh, and you still will be. <laughs> yeah. They still will be. I mean, consider yourselves to have some really exclusive stuff because the T-shirt run alone, you know, you maybe. 15, 20 people got t-shirts. Whoa. That's like a mm-hmm. limited run. Rachel's wearing right. hers right now. I am. I am. I feel very cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. Yeah. That so, was the best I could do reaching. I know. That was a really to... weird, stretchy across the table high five. That, that was my Mr. Fantastic high five. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. You know, so that's, that's it. And uh, I think we're going to go ahead and close out the show. Thank you guys for coming and being part of the discussion. I really appreciate Dave returning to the show. Thanks, man. Let's get you back more often this year. That would yeah. not be bad. I would enjoy that. That would not be bad. Yeah, that would yeah. be good. <laughs> Maybe helping get some Twitter followers. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's all about. I know. You should just start tweeting stuff about KaijuCast. I guess I'll then, have to. And then I'll retweet it <laughs> to my measly amount of followers. To your 34 followers. <laughs> hey, man, I have way more than 34. Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, thanks to Martin and uh, Rachel and Brian as well. And hey, thanks yeah, to everybody who sent in their homework. It was uh, This was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed yeah. watching the movie. I can't wait to hear what people say about... 
Godzilla versus King Ghidra. It's a very popular movie with uh, with kaiju fans. It's also very accessible because it's available on Blu-ray and DVDs. So uh, d- let's do everybody a favor. Don't write a gigantic uh, thing that's going to take us six minutes to read. You know, keep it short, brief, simple, to the point. That's the way to do it. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to close out for sure this time. Uh, if you found the Kaiju Cast through iTunes or some other podcast directory and want to learn more about what we're all about, just point your web browser to kaijucast.com. You can see every episode we've done, uh, links to all our social media content. The Kaiju discussion schedule is up there and the contact form. That's the best way to get in touch with us. Uh, in addition to the contact form, just sending me an email, you can also use it to send in your homework, submit pickled ginger. It would be great to get some more uh, trivia questions because that's a really fun thing for us to do. And please ask a question that the answer is Charles Barkley. So I can <laughs> <laughs> make it like a sports question. Oh, oh no. No. We'd all be ah, ah. If that happens, I'm going to say the first thing that comes to my head without the filter. Oh, <laughs> Martin's, what do you call it? Sports ball. There's That's some right. sort of sports ball sports on ball. today. Uh, anyway, yes, please check out the show notes for links to uh, articles and so forth that we talked about, links to the conventions. And having said that, we are going to close out the show with the theme from Ultraman the Next, the movie we just watched. We will see you next month. Jamata. 